Hi, it's Ella, um, and this is the second episode of the Feeling Griefy podcast that I am kind of working on with my friend Patrick. This episode is all about relationships, and I really wanted to get into the nitty gritty of relationships because I really noticed that, for example, when I was going through a breakup in my early 20s, that so much of what I'd experienced with after mum had died or so much of the so many of the things I wish I'd done before my mum had died in terms of not preparing but maybe preparing for grief I was kind of emulating in a breakup and I I think that's a really interesting thing that I, I think I was almost trying to take advantage of knowing when something might end because I hadn't done that when my mum was dying um, and of course relationships are big parts of our lives and that a lot and you also grow a lot in your early 20s and and you have lots of other life experiences. So I really wanted to explore what it means to combine all these different experiences in one. It's kind of like adding, mixing colors, you know, like blue and yellow equals green. Is that the right color yeah. combo? That was really good for me. I can't really remember that. That's not even that hard to remember. Um, so yes, I, and also um, I had a, kind of went through a breakup and lockdown. So my brothers were a big part of the, the process afterwards. Ned was actually the first person to, Come and give me some... Ned is my brother, my my youngest brother. I've got three younger brothers, by the way, I should say. So whenever I refer to the boys, it's not my multitude of boyfriends, it's also my brothers. Um, and so hopefully this provides some insight into, yeah, the minutia of grief in relationships in your early 20s and a few other bits and bobs because I always go on tangents. And I think I'm looking at Patrick as I say this. I talk about grief in this episode. I hope no, so. No, grief. Oh God, I meant, I meant therapy. <laughs> A little bit of therapy, that's it. <laughs> I talk about therapy and about having therapy in my third year of uni. Um, and that's, that was a big tangent I went on. Every time you cry, you have to give me five pounds. You would actually be quite rich. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be a lucrative business. If I For me. <laughs> could sell my tears. Do you know what is really, this is going to sound really weird, but when sometime, when I, I haven't done it recently, um, but after, you're like, what is Ella about to say? <laughs> but after mum died, sometimes when I cry, I'd like watch myself in the mirror. And wow. like if I was really, so if I was in like a massive, like this was when I was like having quite more frequent, like proper, you kind of howling cries where you're like whole body is convulsing. And I think it was more out of like pure fascination at like, you're like looking at yourself and your like face is kind of like, because you never really see yourself crying. It's not like you'd take a photo. Like we so rude if you started crying. Someone's like, hang on, <laughs> let me just take a pic. So like, I think we're really aware of what our faces look like when we're smiling and we're happy, but we don't see them when they're sad. And so I, and it, and it sounds really like, even like, you know, obviously like snot sometimes comes out your nose and, and like the tears kind of fall quite freely and I don't know it was a weird fascination and maybe it was almost like reminding myself that I know it was sad what had happened or I was sad which sounds silly because obviously you know you're sad because you're crying maybe there's like some psychoanalysis someone can do about why I've watched myself cry I mean I don't do that often like, can I just say it was probably just like a few times because now I'm like maybe there is something like maybe but I think it was out of fascinating it was intri it was intriguing like looking at like what my face was doing like how I was kind of like sobbing and I don't know maybe just like shock I, I never I'd never cried I never cried like I did after mum died before she died it was a foreign cry it was like I'd never have had a, a reason 
actually no when mum was diagnosed mm. for the first time I, when I was in Peru and I found out on WhatsApp <laughs> um, and that's so hard to find out on WhatsApp. oh my god it was awful it was oh, the, that was the biggest shock I've ever had in my whole entire life um, and that was I was sat I remember being sat in the sitting room with my I was staying with the host family in Cusco and we were planning our day and mum had been trying to contact me and being like can we have a call can we have a call and I was thinking come on like <laughs> well I kind of there was not very good internet I'm and I was thinking well. I'm traveling like there wasn't great internet it was only in, like two of the rooms and we were gonna leave and then because one couldn't call me she then had to message me which I can't imagine how she would have felt messaging it and I basically it's like you're kind of watching from bird's eye view <clears throat> or like looking down is that like, you know when people talk about like looking down on yourself because I suddenly was like sat like kind of having a normal conversation, planning, I don't know, where we were going to go that day. And then I look at my phone and it says something like, mummy's cancer, mum's cancer's come back, sweetie, but it's all okay. And like seeing those words and then I just started howling. And like, cause, and that was like, the, that was one of the few times I felt completely not in control of myself. And like my, my I just was like, it was the sh- this, like I'd been punched of just like, what? Like I could not make sense of the words on my screen. Yeah. And then I remember <clears throat> the host mum's husband ex-husband husband it was never clear really he was sometimes in the house sometimes not in the house I don't think I liked him very much was there another woman I think there was another woman because she would talk about another woman but um he then came he was happened to be in the house that day and Carmen my host mom I think was in the kitchen and they obviously just heard this howling and he just like sat next to me which was sweet he was obviously trying to comfort me um and then he grabbed my hand and kept like saying in Spanish like don't worry like don't worry everything's gonna be okay and I was just trying like I was just like rocking and he was trying he was thinking I was really it was really frustrating because I almost want to just like hit his hands out of the way and so you're kind of trying to like override the wanting of being rude but obviously you're in a situation where it's quite it's trying to like be mannered but like obviously I didn't want to be I, I wanted to just like have my cry and I was I just had no idea what was going on but he kept holding my hand being like not difficult this like everything will be okay and I was like you don't know <laughs> like he's like todo va bien I was like no mal <laughs> muy mal <laughs> fatal <laughs> Fa- fatal <laughs> you never use that word in Spanish <laughs> one of us still speaks Spanish <laughs> And then I went to the bedroom and just like took all my clothes out of the drawer and was like piling them on the bed. I was like, I'm going home now. And I was ready to pay like a thousand pounds to get on a flight. And did you? I nearly spent a thousand pounds. Or did you go home? Yeah, I went home the next day. I like mum and dad were like, because obviously it wasn't an emergency. It, she'd just been di- like, just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. But she'd been, but I couldn't not be at home. I suddenly felt like I needed to go home. And that was really sad. And I, yeah, I had, I just like quickly packed my bags. I managed to like, find a flight for the next day. I like went round the markets with my roommate, like really kind of in the evening trying to like get, cause I hadn't bought any souvenirs cause I was meant to be there for another month and a half, like kind of grabbing everything. I think everyone got so much money off me. <laughs> I was no space to haggle. Like I just took the price and was like, yeah, fine. Like, I'll take it. Um, and then that was a very emotional flight. It was three flights I had to get. You had to go to like Lima, then Madrid, then Gatwick. And I remember like someone had taken my seats. I think once the seats had been swapped on a flight and I was meant to have like a window seat, which I really wanted. And I saw that this man had like, there'd been a change up of tickets and I started crying. Like it just must've looked like I was being so dramatic, but I just was like, get me home. <laughs> I mean, I'm amazed I got home in one piece um, with all my things. But no, that was a very, very emotional plane journey. But maybe like survival skills, be able to, you know, get myself home <laughs> in quite yeah. an emotional state. And what would have felt... <clears throat> Hundreds of thousands of miles away. Oh, so far away. And it was so weird coming back because I'd like said goodbye to my family. I was meant to be going for t- two months and I was away for three weeks. And I'd like left so recently. But like the headspace I was in for three weeks was that I was going to be there for like another month and a half. 
Um, so it was weird coming home. And then seeing mum as well. And I remember finding it really weird to see mum. Like, she was just in her dressing gown and she was looking all calm. And I'm sure her and dad must have, like, had a chat being like, we need to, like, you know, make it normal and, and not look distressed because that would, like, distress Ella. Um, but I remember, like, looking at her and it, there's that weird thing of knowing, like, she had cancer in her. And it's a really weird thought, but to know that, like, something was in her that was, like, not good. Wrong. Yeah, and I remember it happening the first time she was diagnosed, but that could be taken out. But because it was in her liver, <clears throat> it couldn't. When you get a new boyfriend, when, <laughs> when, do, you, when do you tell them that your mum died? <laughs> well, okay, so, I have... Have had three boyfriends. I currently have my third. <laughs> my third and current boyfriend. My third. <laughs> um, so in order of boyfriends, first boyfriend I was going out with when mum was diagnosed. I mean, he was very close to my mum and kind of a big part of our family. And mum had actually told him and his mum before she was going to tell me because she knew that I'd call him straight away from Peru. I remember being sat on the bathroom floor, <laughs> having a very up, both of us kind of very upset. Um, so, and we'd broken up by the time mum had died, but he still came to the funeral. And um, yeah, it, it's lovely that he knew my mum so well, because I think that's something that I, um, obviously kind of friends, I don't know, people who knew my mum, it's a, a special thing. Um, and also, just to dwell on him for yes. a second, it's... <laughs> It sounds like they're celebrities. I can't say that. Well, on Justin for a second. Like, because you bro- you'd broken up with him by the time your mum died. Yes. But he knew your mum really well. Yeah. And he's grieving your mum. Yeah. When she dies. And probably after she dies. Yeah. And he's not... You didn't... You know, it wasn't like you, know, you ostracised him from your life. No. But that's really hard for him. Yeah. And then presumably when you see him at the funeral, that's really hard for you. Yeah, I mean, luckily we had a very kind of kind breakup. We've been together since I was 15 and he was 17. And so we broke up when I was 19. So we kind of grew up together um, and there was no bad feeling. Um, and and he was, I, I remember I called him. So even though I I called him the day after he'd that mum died um, to let him know because it felt, yeah, there were certain people that like it was more appropriate to kind of tell verbally rather than seeing on Facebook. Um, and luckily because we, we were used to seeing each other in groups, it wasn't so, and it also, we'd broken up the year before. So it'd been a year since we'd broken up. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, last week. imagine how awful it'd be if it was like, oh my God, like, like, you know, bad feelings between us and you're at my mum's funeral. <laughs> be a kind of catastrophic mix. But luckily it was fine. His mum and dad came because his mum and dad knew mum well. And like, they'd actually been on holiday with us. Like, it, so they wow. were at the funeral. Yeah, kind of passing through, they kind of stayed in France, like kind of where we were staying for a night or so, and then I went with them to Spain, all the details, <laughs> to the travel show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they were there with him. Um, but again, yeah, no, it's true, I kind of, and I think when it's you that's grieving, sometimes you forget that other people are also grieving, and it might not be the same shape grief as you, but it is a still a grief. And, and I know that he was really upset by it, because he had known mum since he was 17, like, I don't know when you're, especially when you're kids and you, you you're going out, you like spend lots of time at each other's houses and you go on holiday with each other and and much more of each other's family than I guess you would be now because you live independently. Yeah. Um. So, 
yeah, wasn't with first boyfriend <laughs> when Juan. Juan. <laughs> that when um I yeah, when mum died, then boyfriend this sounds ridiculous saying boyfriend number two. But boyfriend number two, um, I met three months after my mum died. And I remember I remember actually telling him we were walking in Regent's Park, um, and I think I just was in the back of my head. <clears throat> I was like, I probably should just let this person know that like this massive thing's happened. But I was still very like kind of chill and, and, and fine about it. And so I think I remember just saying, oh, like I'm going to say something. And I like, I don't want it to be, you to feel awkward, but just to let you know, <laughs> it's very like very serious or formal because there's no way of dropping it in the conversation yeah. casually and going like, oh, no, I think maybe, oh, that's how I started telling the story because I was probably talking about my gap year and I had to say that I came home early from my gap year. That was something that often got, that then meant I had to tell people. Yeah. Because I'd be like, oh, I came home, like my mum was ill. And then, and then... They all go, but she's fine now, right? Yeah, and that would, I'd feel really awkward because I was, I had to adapt how I told that story because often people would say, well, how's your mum now? And then I'd go, she died. And then they'd feel awful and go like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But I'd be like, no, fair enough. Like I, so then I'd stop telling the story in that way of like, oh, I'd have to kind of make sure I, I added it. So it wasn't that awkward. Like, how's your mum? I hope she's doing okay now. Um, and so I was telling him about my gap year and then it kind of, and why I had to come home early. And then I think I finished the story because I didn't want to fall into that trap. <laughs> because like like you've been saying before, as soon as you say that line, oh, and she died. Yeah. The person is no longer listening. No one cares about your gap year. Yeah, no, exactly. But when it's a, a boyfriend, yeah, that's a conversation. You're going to have a thousand conversations yeah. about a thousand things. Yeah. And actually, you do want to talk about your gap year. Yeah. No, it's true. And I mean, I noticed it that then it was fine. And actually, I remember him being really just relaxed about it and I was really grateful for his reaction it, he just was like it didn't seem to phase him and it, it kind of the conversation went normally and and I remember actually he told his um his flatmates just to like I don't know whether to like warn them in case they like I think sometimes people get worried about like if they said the word mum I'd be like oh my god I don't have my mum anymore like that that would be a trigger word for me so it's like forewarning which I th- I thought was sweet but like um yeah, he was very relaxed about that knowledge. But I mean, that's a whole other thing we can get into is like of what it is to meet someone so soon after you've just lost yeah. someone. And then Henry, current boyfriend, who we can name. Um, I So I'd actually, so we met, Henry and I met um, in 2016. And so, and I've actually, and, and kind of dated a bit. <laughs> Before my, while my mum was ill. So I remember telling him, that my mum was ill and telling him about cancerous pants, the campaign, on a date. What rubbish date chat? <laughs> like, well, well, having a martini and like dirty martini. <laughs> Be like, just to let you know, like my mum has terminal cancer and it's the cancerous pants website. But um, I didn't say it in that order, but I, I must have told him then. I think because it must have woven into a story, but maybe not the date chat that one might typically have. Um, and then we kind of weren't in contact for four-ish years and I think he found out on Facebook he saw on Facebook because I think he must have seen my Facebook post but we weren't really in in contact I guess then um so and I always remember thinking like when we first when we got back together we got together we were never together um like when did when did he know or when did he find out because I can't remember like mentioning it 
I must have been like, oh, you know my mum died. <laughs> um, but never formally telling him. But it's been interesting because that this has been a relationship kind of four years into grief. And, and yeah, there's differences in how I express myself and how I talk about it. Um, and actually, and I hope you're not offended by me saying this, but when you're four years in mm, and you're meeting Henry yeah. for a drink, you'd hope the headline wouldn't be that your mum had died. Yeah. The headline should be, I've got this exciting new job or yeah. I've got an exciting holiday planned. Yeah, that's so true. And actually, I hadn't even thought about that, but actually, yeah, on our kind of, I call it our second first date, um, in uh, kind of, yeah, the December, the year before last, I remember, um, yeah, I didn't even mention it. And that's why, because, because, because had that been four years ago, that would have just been at the front of my mind and like a big character characterization of the chat I don't know if you can say that <laughs> a big part of yeah the chat and and the conversation um and it was and I think that's what's been really nice actually kind of is that grief isn't like the center of my relationship with Henry like it's something that is obviously influences things and is part of it but it, I don't feel like it's a defining part whereas I think in my previous relationship because I'd met mum so soon after I was learning to grieve while also being in a relationship and I think that kind of can complicate things um I mean it can be because you're in a very safe space to explore your feelings and and I was with someone that was very understanding and empathetic but also it meant that that was like and I remember really finding it really difficult that I was meeting someone that that was kind of seeing me perhaps like have sad moments and I wasn't very comfortable in myself of like being sad and I really remember thinking, I don't want him to think I'm like a sad person or I yeah. don't want him to think like being really conscious and think, God, it's a big ask for someone to like to be with someone whose mum's died. Like that's not something you'd normally have in, in a relationship in your early 20s. And that being something I would think about sometimes or and would maybe make me more reluctant to <clears throat> like not reluctant, but I don't know, like cry or feel low. Um because I was like, well, I'm a happy person. And that taps into another aspect of grief of the, the, it challenges the like very core of who you are and that I've never had to be sad very often. I've never had to like, I don't know, cry. I mean, I was, a, I did cry, free, like not frequently before mum died, but I was open to crying, but I, but that wasn't as big a part of me. And, and I, I was frustrated that it was impacting my identity in a way, even though he wouldn't think, oh, Ella's crying, she's a sad person. But I was much more aware of it. Whereas now, five years later, I, I'm i very comfortable in the space of being sad about mum. And I don't, I don't think, oh God, Henry's going to think I'm just like such a sad mess. I'm just like, well, I've, obviously my mum's died and that's a part of me. And I think it's because I'm more accepting of that part of me. I'm not, I'm not worried about how it looks or... I'm more in, yeah, control of the, of the feeling. But with person two, <laughs> you would have been pretty vulnerable. Yeah. All the time. Like, you would have been, we're all vulnerable, I guess, yeah. in a way. But, like, you would have been low and sad and needing support. And when you're with someone, it's not like a friend, you go out for dinner yeah. and you've got a brave face on for dinner and then you go home. Yeah. Because you're with that person all the time. Mm. And you weren't living together. No. But I imagine you you have to ask quite a lot of that person. Yeah. If you're not hiding it. And and what you just said just then was that you were kind of accidentally putting a shield up. Yeah. But I've always felt like you were not the sort of person to do that. Mm. 
and maybe you would you would have to place on that person oh by the way you're gonna be my yeah support animal or whatever the phrase is yeah i think that's true i think because by the end so like kind of two years into the relationship i definitely wouldn't have hidden it as much i think when i say the word hidden i think it was i didn't realize i was hiding it because i wasn't so sure of those feelings themselves and actually i started therapy in my third year of university so this must have been um so mom died in the february and this was in the november as this was when we had started going out um, because I I felt really, not concerned, but just aware that I was so disconnected from my feelings. And I felt like, I suppose you just, because you, because when you disconnect with a feeling like sadness, you also disconnect with happier feelings and that you kind of, I don't know, I'd, I'd noticed that I'd just been feeling very out of touch with things that were going on around me. Um, and so that was a good process in which like, so it was during therapy that I'd, I actually probably just used it as like a space to cry. Like I'd go every week and have a massive cry and then I talked to him about um, what we talked about and like, and was very open with the process I was going through. So I think that perhaps in those earlier stages, I was just figuring out my grief and, and how it was. And I just was so, maybe I was just so resistant to it for it to like take over me and my like, what I, my core parts. Like I'd always have described myself as an optimist and for being quite like, I don't know, happy most of the time. And I didn't want that to change. And I think that, but that was also because so often you're, we don't know our sad feelings as much. And we put so much emphasis on like the being happy, but obviously there are so many emotions within us to feel. And I've just given more precedence to the kind of happier things. And I still feel low. I just was describing it and being able to understand that lowness more. Um, but yeah, but I also think, so actually we had a long distance relationship for a while because he was at university in Exeter. And so, and I'm grateful for that because I think it meant that we weren't a very like codependent couple. And I think I felt huge independence in the relationship because another thing I was terrified of and so aware of is I was like, I don't want to depend on someone. I don't want my mum to have died and then me invest everything in another person and then be the reason that I feel okay and feel not okay. So I think in some sense I was like resistant to being supported in a very like direct way. Cause I was like, I can't depend on that. Like I want to do this myself. And I'm kind of grateful for that because I think it meant that I learned to grieve independently from him and actually something I noticed because before we broke up I was so like I, I remember thinking like how will I be like I've never really been without my mum like because he was the biggest he was like a very significant person after mum had died yeah and then I when I was okay I was very empowered and I was like wow like I I can be alone with these huge feelings and I'm okay um so I think it wasn't like that was another thing in the relationship of like how much I let myself be supported in those moments and I definitely got better at it and I've noticed with Henry I don't like I remember the other week um I had I think I was just feeling really rubbish I was having like a very griefy week and it was particularly griefy Wednesday things always seem to be happening Wednesdays Wednesdays. (laughs) and um and I remember I was meant to be seeing a friend in the evening for dinner but I just was I just like had a rubbish like day at work kind of couldn't kind of kept crying intermittently and then I basically made the decision and so often I, I'm very I can be like well I can just it's fine I can like box it up and and keep going and I've, I've had the grief in the day and I can you know I don't have to I can then go and have a dinner and I know I can turn it on I know I can like push those feelings away but then sometimes it's like it's I know it's not good to do that and I was feeling drained and it's the whole thing about feeling drained when you're tired and so then I actually cancelled the plans and and like obviously when you're open as well I'm saying oh I'm just not I'm feeling a bit like griefy that's why griefy is a great word because I'm just feeling a bit griefy can we like kind of rearrange this and then I 
remember messaging Henry and we just had like a very last minute kind of went over and got takeaway and like watched something. And I remember so feeling so grateful, like feeling the relief of just being able to like be with someone that could like take me out. Because I think the thing with grief is sometimes you need to just feel it. And then sometimes you just felt it for a bit too long and you do need a break from it. And you do just need to be like reminded that that's not like, that life isn't like that all the time. And I remember feeling really proud of myself in a weird way of having messaged because obviously I messaged him, you messaged your partners, but like messaged to like ask for help in a way and to say like, can we just have a nice evening? And we didn't need to talk about the fact I'd had like a really like, I don't know, rubbish few days, but I could just be with someone in a feeling of grief. And that was really lovely. And something that I think I had to let myself get to that point where I'd let that happen more. Because I, I think it's that constant tension of you don't want to depend on it too much. You don't want to, like, rely on someone so much that then, like, without them, you'd be, you know, distraught. So that's, yeah, an interesting balance I've had to figure out. How does the conversation go with boyfriend too? <laughs> when you say, and obviously it's long distance. Yeah. But when you say, oh, by the way... I'm going to therapy tomorrow. Um, is that an awkward <clears throat> conversation? And is that... And obviously people have therapy for different reasons. Yeah. People enjoy it, people don't enjoy it. People are prescribed it. People mm. decide to pay thousands of pounds for it. Mm. Whatever. But the boyfriend yeah. hears that and might think... Yeah. Why do you need to go to therapy? Yeah. Do you talk to me? I think... Or are you, are you there feelings that I don't know mm. about? And that's not a kind of manly kind of possessive yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. It's more, were you having open conversations that resulted in you going to therapy or were you independently going, I need to sort myself out? I was actually independently going. So it was at the very beginning of our relationship. So we'd like, even though we'd met three months after mum had died, we didn't start going out. So we met in the May and probably didn't start going out till the November. And I think I'd organised that myself and it wasn't with a conversation with him. It was something I was like I think it was came about from thinking I don't like these feelings what do I do people might go to therapy normally I'm gonna do that (laughs) like what 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 can help me um but I think he's he was very and is a very it's weird talking about someone in the past they're still alive (laughs) but he was a very understanding and empathetic individual like there was never a, a need to have to like not be open about the fact that I was exploring difficult emotions or feeling sad. And actually sometimes I'd maybe call him afterwards and, and kind of not that you'd have to fill in someone and be like, let me tell you everything that happened, but just be open about what we discussed. And, and the, yeah, he, he always know when I had it. Um, but yeah, no, I never, I never thought maybe I can't remember. Maybe I, maybe there might've been like a moment of thinking, Oh God, what does someone think if I'm getting therapy? But I think maybe I had such a good reason. Not that you need a good reason yeah. at all. But like, and that's the thing. Like everyone, I think everyone should get therapy and I want therapy again. Like that was, therapy for me then was just a space to cry. Like I don't think I did much like therapized. I don't think I was very therapized. Is that a word? I think it's therapized. Therapized. I don't think I was therapized very much. I think I just went there and cried and she would also cry with me, which was a bit weird. And I actually, I'd never, I've spoken to a few people about this and they're, have never come across someone who's cried as well with you when you when you when you're crying. <laughs> so what. maybe she was a great the best therapist in the world. 
Or maybe. Or maybe. Like she cried. And I, the first time it happened, I was like, and then we'd never acknowledged it till the last session. But I think maybe what she was doing is acknowledging for me, because a big thing for me to do was to accept that something huge and sad had happened. Yeah. And maybe she was reflecting back the truth. This is, and this is me like trying to dig deep. Um, but no, for me, it was just like a space to, no, I was, yeah, I was saying that, um, yeah, it wasn't like, not, yeah, you don't need an excuse, but like age 20 when you might feel that, or as 21, you might feel you might need an excuse. I could be like, well, my mum died. <laughs> yeah. But that, I think most people would accept that as an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. And you never need to make an excuse. Like life in itself is enough to need therapy. Um, but no, and then I probably, I, I went therapy from November to the May, the following year. Um, and it was a really good, sorry, we've kind of moved on to therapy chat now, but it was a very healthy way to populate my week with sadness or like to, to find the space in the week where I could like let myself have a massive cry in a very safe space I almost see it as like you've got like a yo-yo it's like you're kind of dropping to the depths of emotion but it's okay because someone's there and then you come back up again and it's easier to do that with someone else because so often a big part of like the reason I think I didn't want to feel the feelings of grief was because they were so terrifying because yeah. they are so huge. And so naturally when something is terrifying, you just push it away and don't feel it and try really hard not to feel it. So I think therapy for me, every, I think it was a Wednesday again. There's something about Wednesdays, Patrick. Every Wednesday, I think about 3 p.m. and I'd walk from the library at uni. Um, and it, And I think it also normalized fitting in emotion just to my day-to-day. -day. Like I'd one minute be sitting at uni, like writing an essay. I'd go to therapy. I'd often be exhausted after therapy, probably buy myself a croissant afterwards nice. and have like a croissant coffee moment. Um, but then it meant that like, it wasn't such a huge thing to be crying. Like it was normal and that you bounce back. And I think that's a, a good thing that it taught me is that I, that I could go to that depth and be okay and carry on with my day. And it wasn't like this huge thing. Like, oh my God, you just had a massive cry. Um, and it was also a really comfy sofa and room and always really warm. And it was just quite a nice space to That's fine until you fall asleep. <laughs> comfy and warm. It only used to be a little bit dark. I know, and you fall asleep. I think as well, like, I think I literally cried in every single session. Because, yeah, it was my space to cry. I didn't cry otherwise. It was my, like, crying space. Back to the relationship. Yes. Is there ever a point, and this probably, well, Henry as well, I guess, where you are having the best time ever mm. with that person and you're just having loads of fun and you're feeling really in love mm. and then you suddenly go, oh. Mum's not here. Not even that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not feeling any sort of <laughs> grief right now. I'm just having a great time. And yeah. then do you... That's part A. Yeah, part, part B. A. Is there a guilt attached to that? Good question. I think, and that has probably changed over time. I think that has really changed over time. And had you asked me, I think because again, like I said, like you need relief in the grief. <laughs> um, that there, that yeah, there's times where you let your like it's important to feel the low, and then there's times where you need to be able to feel. I don't know as you ordinarily would feel to get a respite from like the heavy emotions because they can be really heavy or just like the heavy reality that it's not even if you're crying it's just like the fact that your life has massively changed 
Um, I don't think I'd ever felt guilt with, I think it's different. Like, I think that there is that weird thing when you go through life and you're just having like an ordinary experience and then you're suddenly reminded that like life isn't all perfect. Like, I don't know, you might think, oh, this is wonderful. Like life's so good at the moment. And then it's just the back of my mind. It's like, well, it's like there's something massively missing. So it kind of is always like the edge of of like my awareness. Um, but I think actually, and I think it's because when mum was ill and I had two years where I very much compartmentalized when she was ill and I was at uni, I went like, it's when I started uni and I'd, if I had, was, I don't know, was out with friends, I'd try and think, well, like in this moment, like mum's okay, like her scans are stable. She's at home. Like all I can do is just enjoy this moment um, because I can't do anything about, I don't know what's happening. And maybe some of that mentality is there. That I very, I'm, I suppose, because I'm aware that there are so many things, sad things you can feel, and like, and actually now I've got to a point where I know that the sadness will come. Like, I, I don't, even, I haven't got as much control over when I'll feel it or not, and so it's going to come at some point. So if I'm feeling a bit happier or or like life's normal, then I need to enjoy that because there might be a week coming up where I just kind of dip and and feel much more griefy. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think I feel guilt. I probably think. It's a night. It's yeah. It's a reminder that life can go forward. But that's definitely me talking five years later. I think at the start, there's that weird navigating like your new reality. And with what we were saying previously about everything being having a cloud over it. Yeah. I guess in the most amazing moments of a relationship, any of those relationships you talked about, would there be times when that cloud dissipated because? you've got a new relationship in your life. And I'm not saying you replaced your mum with a boyfriend. No, but, but I think it's like the 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 propense, just being like, I guess like human connection. I feel very lucky. Like I feel really lucky to be with Henry. I think that I feel, I don't know, maybe that I've had this awful thing happen in my life and then, and Henry's such a good thing. And that feels very, that I deserve <laughs> Maybe part of me is like, you know what? <laughs> like, had a shit run of things in some an ways. Angel sent for me. <laughs> Let's not flatter him too much. He is an angel, <laughs> to be fair. Um, but I feel like that. I know life is the whole thing of like life's. What's it gives you cards? What's the saying? Uh, you get dealt your hand of cards, or you, you get gotta play them. Is that the saying? Not sure. I don't think that is. <laughs> you play the cards you're dealt. I'm play. I am playing the cards I've dealt, and I've been dealt some shockers, yeah. but I've also been dealt some great ones, and that's how I like to see Henry. Is that he's one of my, you know, trump cards. <laughs> Other relationships ended. Yes. And that is something completely different because you spoke previously about how talking it's difficult to talk to friends with the Trump cards mm. where they wouldn't want to talk about boy problems mm. or girl problems. If because they're like, oh Ella doesn't care about that because yeah. her problems are so much bigger. So suddenly when you're in a relationship and you're thinking either someone else is thinking that relationship's coming to an end, mm. or you're thinking it's mm. coming to an end. In your mind, were you not as distraught as other people could be in that situation? Because you think, I've fried bigger fish and <laughs> this is just the end of something fun. Um, Very good question, Patrick. Thank you. 
<laughs> um, I so with in my previous relationship, the breakup happened um, probably about I guess it was three years after Mama died, and it was a very like it was something that like we worked towards together. I think breakups are always incredibly painful and are never yeah they're never easy they're never like a kind of let's just break up yeah sure okay bye <laughs> yeah, see you later <laughs> maybe when actually in year seven that's how i broke up with my year seven one week boyfriend i think i texted him but yeah it, it it's always gonna be a long process and like i think for us it was like a lot of back and forth conversations and when you know something's not working but you both i don't know still love and care about each other and and it's and you yes yeah, but then sometimes it's quite unifying because you're like trying to find a way to end the relationship in the most humane way possible. But like in a way that's the, the, the least painful. Yeah. And actually lockdown, you know, really helped us out because then we were very far away from each other. And it was kind of... You realised that you enjoyed... No, I think actually in some, we were very good at long distance. So that was fine. And we could chat and, and like you know, FaceTime. But I think it was that we'd known we'd be needing it to happen like we'd had to come many times before in the months previously where we got to maybe a point where we're like we need to break up or like and then we kind of you, you come down from that because it's so horrible that thought of I don't know it's like another type of grief or it's just like a sadness because then you what you don't talk to that person um but actually and then yeah it happened I suppose more organically because we we, we knew that that was maybe what we need that needed to happen and then when we were facetiming it just because we weren't going to be able to see each other anyway, it kind of could just happen in a, a less of a painful way than if you were just like, I don't know, in London still together. Um, but going back to how grief, that was a tangent on the <laughs> intricacies of a breakup. Um, but I think that I was really nervous. And I remember we had a conversation actually. So we broke up in, I think, at the very beginning of April, end of March. Um and we'd had a conversation in December about breaking up. And I remember saying, being like, I don't think I can break up. We cannot be together over Christmas because I think that's a bit too much for me. <laughs> like not having a boyfriend and not having a mum. And and so in a, and I think that was because I was like worried. I was like, how will I be without this yeah. person? And and how will I, can I deal with two types of grief? Like I've already got quite a big amount of grief to deal with. And that's something I actually have as a concern of mine of like what happens when someone else dies. Because <laughs> I think that like, I'm kind of maxed out on grief currently. So please no one die. Um, and, but then actually, so when the final conversation happened on FaceTime, I remember like um, kind of shutting my laptop and just like, wailing on my bed because it's so sad when you say bye to someone for like the final time it's just really it's just really sad but the cry actually I was comfortable in that cry like yeah. I was really sad but I wasn't like oh my god like what is this feeling I'm like wailing because I'd wailed way more <laughs> otherwise and I remember Ned my youngest brother so I've got three younger brothers there's Tom William and Ned and Ned the youngest kind of like kind of pokes I think that all of them are in the house because this is like pandemic time we're all yeah. you know at home and I think they could hear this like kind of animalistic noises <laughs> like the wailing upstairs as they kind of creep up to my room and I think I just shouted and I was like go away <laughs> like, like crying on my bed and then um Ned I'd had some ice cream in the freezer that I bought a few days ago like the nice the nice vegan booja booja is it called booja booja ice cream and Ned brought it up to me with a fork in it because there were no clean spoons and like a cup of tea with like a really sticky honey spoon next to the the mug and like as his offering to me as a like and how old was he at this point he would 17? have been uh 16 or 17 16 nearly 17 
And then, so that was really, really sweet. Um, and then William kind of made dinner that night, but I had literally no appetite and he'd made these. And this was when he was like, he's, I think he's a good cook now. And he they were good, but it took literally like three hours to make. So like, I was really, really tired. And I remember I had no appetite, but he'd spent ages making these kind of sweet potato fajitas that were just so, I remember just being so, sorry, William, stodgy. Um, and... And then the next day, like Tom took me for a coffee at, up, you know, at this lovely place near us in Brighton. And like, what was really sweet and what I really noticed. So aside from the fact that obviously he was sad, but then it's kind of, there's that relief in it that you've done finally the thing yeah. that you've been thinking about for a while and it was done, you know, so kindly. And, um, but that I could be so supported because when mum died, all of us were sad. And actually yeah. I couldn't, if Ned had bought, I don't know if, it's so hard to confront the fact that you're all loving and missing this person. And that's so painful. Whereas what was actually really nice is I could just be looked after in such an innocent way that the boys could just be so sweet to me. And when I refer to the boys, I mean my brothers. <laughs> Not, you know, yeah. the boys. <laughs> and I could just be so like, that I could cry openly. And it wasn't an uncomfortable thing for them to see. Because often when, so when mum died, and if, I don't know, I'd have a cry it's painful to watch someone crying about someone that you're missing. And that's a really hard reality because you're looking at them going, we're bo- you're crying and we're both missing the same person. This is really hard to deal with. And that can kind of inhibit conversations and, and inhibit the extent to which you can support that person. Whereas, yeah, after we broke up, I, the, yeah, the boys were just lovely to me. That They always are lovely, but really supportive and sweet. And actually like conversations with friends, I could just like, chat as you would about breakups normally and I could kind of I don't know talk things through because after mum died there's not really much to talk through you're not gonna yeah. go like well I mean apart from like the facts of the what happened which is what I kind of would do I guess as a way of like making it my reality there's not a lot to discuss and go well she said this and then I said this whereas like in a breakup there's a kind of a, a more of a script and also you I felt like I could indulge in it which sounds really weird but I think it was like I could I don't know watch because I I wasn't heartbroken because like mum, I was heartbroken after mum died. And I think you can only really have like one proper heartbreak in your life. And often it is with a, when you break up with someone that that might be your heartbreak. But like, because your mum does, or parent, or you know, someone close to you might not die at such a young age. But because my first heartbreak was mum, these feelings weren't new to me. I, I dealt with sad feelings. So I just was able to like lean into them because they weren't terrifying. I knew sadness. Like it, it was a, I don't know, it wasn't a, it was like familiar to me. It was a friend, it's an old friend, you know, like, hello, like, I know this, you know, low feeling or I know this cry. And and also, I don't know, actually, you know, like when I was saying how if you have a cold, you're you're better at, I don't know, giving yourself vitamins and, and sitting and lying in bed. Self-managing. Yeah, and I think that I did. I let myself just like watch things. I was still finishing the end of my master's. I still had like work to do, but obviously the pandemic, there's not a lot to do. Um, and that also actually made it easier because you both know that, the other person's you know in lockdown <laughs> so in a way I kind of I think is what would be hard normally with a breakup is you're like what's what the other doing person now? doing like what is their life like but I was like no I think I know what they're doing like I've and got I a think pretty I, good idea. yeah I've got a pretty good idea you know um and I could yeah like watch things and I think I bought like you know buy a nice new pair of shoes as a nice treat um which is funny because I used to think I was like really supporting businesses because it also been impacted by the pandemic, but obviously like lots of people online shopping. But I was there being like, this is a really good purchase. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. But like that was at the very start of the pandemic when it was like, oh, the shops were shut and you know. Anyway, sidetrack. But yeah, I could enjoy the grief, which 
was a new thing for me because it wasn't so heavy. It was manageable. It was manageable. And it was, and it was like, when people say, oh, things will get better. Like things do get better after mum died. Like you, you learn to navigate your grief. You learn to know what you're feeling and why and, and to deal with it. it yeah, you're not helpless. But it's not, you're not going to go, oh, don't worry, you'll, you'll get a new mum. Like, don't worry. Like, you know, it, 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 where, not that like when you're kind of talking about after breakup, but there is a degree to which you're like, well, life moves forward. And that is a kind of a fact. Like it will move forward. Like you will like, I don't know, fall in love again and, and have new relationships. But, but yeah, there's another line of, of discussion that you might, you wouldn't take, you wouldn't have when you're talking about someone who's died. You know, you see, it's not like, there's lots more mums to have, Ella. Plenty <laughs> like, more fish in the sea. <laughs> yeah, plenty more fish in the sea. So yeah, I think that was a really interesting thing for me to compare the the grief of mum dying and then the kind of the kind of grief of a relationship ending. But also, I think that I was preparing for the grief of a breakup because we were having having these discussions and I kind of knew, knew it, it might coming. happen. Knew it was coming. In my head, I remember like talking to dad. This was before lockdown. Um, and we'd like met up in London to go for lunch. And I was saying like, I think we're going to break up soon. I think I might, you know, start therapy again. I think, you know, I was thinking, what do I need in place to help me out? I was thinking I'll book a massage, you know, the week after. And it sounds ridiculous because it sounds so controlled. But I think it's because before mum died, I was so flawed because I just did not believe it was coming. Yeah. And I was, I was so, yeah, taken aback by it. And I think this time around, I was like, I guess, yeah, preparing for it in a way I didn't prepare for mum to, to die and, and aware of how I might feel and what I might need to help me. And and I was actually fine. <laughs> and that was really empowering because it's like, I'm fine. Like I, I and, then, and then I think that's another thing is I feel very resilient. And I think that's something, it's like a so good colour from grief. taught you. Yeah, I feel very, and I think that's really empowering. I've just said empowering twice, but it is very empowering now three times because yeah, you're like, well, I felt like these really extreme emotions and I was okay and I am okay. So like, obviously I don't want awful other things to happen, but there's a degree to which I'm like, well, I've got some like tools or I feel less vulnerable to the shock or the like terrifying sadness like I'm not as terrified of sadness anymore and I think that's a good thing to overcome I still get very sad and I still it's not nice when you feel low but I think not being worried about it or not overthinking it has been really helpful I guess it comes back to every color of your life being clouded by grief again yeah and now when you enter a new relationship your relationship with Henry isn't that new but it's part of who you are now. Yeah. Is a really resilient person who has makes no secret of the fact that your mum died. Mm. Like, we're literally talking about it into a microphone. You've written <laughs> a blog. Like, you're very open to talk yeah. about it. But actually, that's who you are. Yeah. And that's the person that Henry decided to be with. Yeah. And that, in a way, me looking for positives always, <laughs> but... Where's the cherry on the cake here? <laughs> but, like, it's it's clouded your life but it's made you into the person that you are now yeah no and when you're looking at it from a relationship's point of view that's the person that you're kind of offering to someone else yeah exactly I think that's a very nice way of looking at it and because I think yeah there's still things I'm figuring out about how grief influences 
the relationship and influences my emotions within a relationship and and like can exaggerate things or kind of reduce things or make me care more about things like and I mean that's another I suppose a conversation on like you know how grief does mix with emotions um but I think to a degree yeah I, I don't feel I feel in my relationship the grief yeah is a part of me but I think that's a big part of it is you make is making space for it so it's yes it's a part of me but it's not yeah like I said the defining part it's a piece of the intricate puzzle <laughs> but it's and and I'm okay with that I think the biggest thing is like being comfortable with that and yeah not being worried about how that then impacts other things because yeah it's trusting that the, someone's chosen to be with you and all of you and if that involves crying or like I don't know being I don't know being irritated because deep down I'm actually really upset <laughs> like that that yeah there's a level of understanding there